Shalom and thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Elect Life Podcast Edition with Liz McGee. We hope you enjoy the journey as Liz takes you through her mystical insights from ancient Jewish writings. You'll find more info on the website at theelectlife.org. So go check it out and make sure you have oil in your lamp for the coming of Mashiach. And now your host, Liz McGee. May Day, and uh, it's May 2nd, 2020. Uh, I don't really know exactly what day of lockdown this is, but we are definitely still in the midst of our being sent to our room time by Yahweh Elohim, who I would have ever thought. <laughs> he got the whole world attention on this one. But uh, I want to say it's Sabbath. It's Shabbat, and there is a Parsha reading that, if people are interested, would be great to do today. I'm when I do these Facebook Live, I am like considering myself on a fishing expedition. I am just looking for anyone who's interested in. I consider some pretty meaty, deep spiritual discussions about what's going on in our world, <laughs> and that's what. I'm going to be diving right into today, but I I do a lot of reading and studying in what's called the primary text of the Judeo-Christian worldview. I read a lot of, um, well, I read what is called, and I just did a session on this topic, the broader canon. Uh, if And I'm really trying to reach a lot of my Christian friends because... I've been on a big, long journey, and I've spied out kind of, oh, wow, there's a whole pleasant land up ahead that we, uh, the Father's taking us to. So I'm just sort of like already a little bit ahead on the path, and I want to help encourage people to get out of the boat. Because right now, it's important to be reading in the broader canon, which is a historically accurate Hebraic concept of the writings, the totality of the writings that are in the house of Judah, which is the Old Testament and all of the um, deuterocanical, pseudographic, apocryphal, uh, pseudepigraphal, and like the Dead Sea Scrolls, all these kind of writings. So it's a much bigger picture that you can have than the 66 books. And I can prove to you that Yeshua and his disciples definitely read the broader canon. So, uh, but one of the things about this is without this level, now I always say I, I teach for wisdom and understanding, which it says in Proverbs is the principal thing. Get wisdom and get understanding. And this is from Solomon. That represents, in its Hebraic, a very high level of spiritual acuum, where you are uh, spiritual level depth awareness. That's like where you can eat the meat of the word. All right. You're not in kindergarten. You're in a baby. You're not on the milk. You're definitely at the level of being able to handle strong drink and meat. Those are the kind of ways. And if you don't get to this concept of wisdom and understanding, everything when you look at the landscape, and this is sort of the problem, it, it's all fragments. So like nothing seems to connect. Why do we have Jews over here? We're, you know, and then Christians over here, and then we got all sorts of myriads of other ways of approaching quote-unquote God. Uh, this is because without this level, 
of wisdom and understanding, you just, you can't see the big picture. And it's totally the analogy, and wisdom of understanding is, is at a very high level, because like if in a plane, if you get high enough up, that's the whole point. You can see, wow, you can see the whole vista, you can see everywhere, there's nothing hidden from you. That's what, in mental, that's what they're trying to say. Get to a level where nothing is hidden so that you can understand all the deep and the hidden and even the sealed knowledge and understanding that's in our Torah. So that's what I want to do uh, is that there is, in the, what happens when you get to wisdom understanding, it's like there's peace. Like all of a sudden there's no more contradictions. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Because you factor in things like, time you factor in things like well everyone should know the broader context who's it written to uh and it's different levels of understanding the hebraic scriptures are so deeply embedded with knowledge of elohim it just to the uninitiated mind it will blow your mind this is it's very exciting and that's why at the end of my quote unquote journey here looking for truth, which I always have had in a sense of having Mashiach, Messiah, Yeshua. What you understand is that he is, like he says, I have um, in my father's house are many rooms. He is a king over a vast kingdom. So he's a king over an incredibly kingdom of, of knowledge and wisdom and things that you can know about the creation. There's no end. The, 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 this is why present day Jewish mysticism is lining up more than any other system in the whole world with what science is beginning to understand about our different levels of reality, quantum and even astro and, and even psychological. This is the, nothing has taken Torah by surprise. All of these things are discussed in myriads of levels of depth and deepness. Unfortunately, to the Ephraimite mind, we've never really been introduced to this huge, what is known as, oh, I'm, I'm getting off, off topic, and I really wanted to just, I'm just trying to say that I've been there, so I know what it's like not to have a true Hebraic understanding of wisdom and knowledge and to be shut out. Um, but if you can be brave enough and dare to, to enter in, begin to believe you have the mind of Christ, the mind, you have an anointed mind that can handle this stuff. You were built like Adam to understand the creation and to interface, talk with Yahweh, Elohim, your created father. Okay? So... That's what I want to do, but introduce people very safely to this whole world. Because like I think I've done it, and I've survived, and I'm like I said before, I'm thriving. I'm not diminishing my life. My life is only growing stronger and bigger. And um, so that's why I'm Facebook Live, trying to shine it out there. So let me say on the flip side. Now, I mean, anybody, and this is the most interesting thing, People's paradigms are totally being shaken today with this whole new world we live in. But it's very obvious to people who have eyes to see, especially spiritually and understand, the beast kingdom is like all around us. This is a biblical concept of, that has been explained the conditions of the world at the end of the age. At the end of the world, at the end of 
Mankind, it's the end of an age, the end of the where the God of this world rules and the God of Israel is going to rule. That's what we're coming up on, okay? That's what's going on. But this beast kingdom, the last great uh, kingdom or enslavement or uh, governmental control system, it's obvious. If we can, Everyone can see now, since COVID came in, and right behind it, came the whole cashless society. This thing has all been ready. I consider it's like a like a whole platform that was just below the surface and they just kind of raised it up. It's a cashless society, totally. Everything can be done online, all buying and selling. Um, whether we, and all surveillance. I mean, they can with the 5G. I mean, it, it's incredible. Look at, and people, even if we quote unquote get out, <laughs> you know, soon, or this summer and get and think we're going to get back to normal life. We're never getting out of this quote unquote lockdown. The grid system, the B system is in place. And either we throw its yoke off or, or actually we get behind Yeshua HaMashiach, who is going to overthrow that yoke upon us. Uh, but to have eyes wide open it. And the other thing that's coming out today, I mean, you've got the chip, you've got just incredible. The way it, it, the whole system is there. The next thing is everybody give everybody a number and a chip, and then the whole thing is done. And it isn't that. Okay, the reason the beast kingdom is so bad because that's not yeah that is not a, a system that is, came from the mind of Elohim on how he wants to rule and bless his creation. All right, this is a very demonic, despotic, rigid. Uh, kingdom if you study it where it is really about control and not freedom so i mean choose you this day it always gets down to that but what's really going we're coming down to a showdown see what's happened today and people are waking because things have gone to a biblical proportion overnight and it's my very studied opinion <laughs> we are at the beginning of birth pains we're never going to go back to a laissez-faire old lifestyle the way it used to be if we get out a little bit there is a woman in travail there will be more birth pains and they will each one will be a little bit stronger and harder and closer together than the last one because we are birthing the father is this the new kingdom the the, the kingdom of within uh heaven is coming by force to the world i mean you're gonna be ruled by a righteous king uh whether you like it or not <laughs> uh that's the way the story ends, and I didn't write the book, so, you know, don't shoot the, the, the reporter, so to speak, but this showdown between really and truly a god of this world, you know, aka Hasatan, Lucifer, Lucifer um, Amalek, uh, Shamik Mem, the, the different ways in which he's coded, you know, there are many, many names for this, this beast and its kingdom, all right? And if I and in this whole thing called Armageddon, where the nations and what it is, well, see now to me to have a biblical worldview of what's going on, you really have two camps that are really and truly kind of squaring off in in worldwide biblical proportions. You have the nations that are still in defiance to the law and the acknowledgement of the Most High God, and those who are who call the sheep nations. You could call them. It's all Israel. Those who have come into the kingdom and under the dominion of the king of that kingdom 
uh, Hashem, uh, you know, God, what it's Yodhevavhe, or we'll just call, you know, um, the Mashiach, who will be the king. In, in archetypes, it's Messiah ben David at the end of the age, all right? This is going to, <laughs> this kingdom is coming. So, but it's going to be very chaotic. It's going to bring a lot of chaos. People aren't going to know what's hitting them because it's prophesied that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. So in other words, every ideology, every thought process, everything that you put trust in, everything that you think is a sure foundation, if it's not really built on the one true foundation, it's going to rock your world. And to the point where we're going, where literally people's hearts are going to fail for fear. People are going to jump out of windows because, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be alarmist and I'm not trying to, I'm just, there's a lot of people that are waking up to this and realizing, you know what, maybe my Bible's not such a, like my grandmother's Bible, you know, and it, 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 there's, there's, there is light that is breaking forth, that is illuminating the eyes of the saints on levels that we were previously kind of dead to. This is known, and, and, and ultimately, I should just come, I am trying to prepare people <laughs> for what's called disclosure, all right? We have so far away from a biblical worldview. We, we think that aliens, we're still thinking, are some figment of our imagination or made-up mythologies of ancient cultures, and that... Um, no, if you read your Bible correctly, we live in a very populated, multi-faceted, multi-dimensional creation. And at many levels, there are when many worlds, many creatures, many living souls, angels, demons, there's all sorts of things. And it says, in, as it was in the days of Noah, which that's a coded phrase. I mean, most of us, so what was it like in the days of Noah? You know, you have to read, it's all there. But you have to read into the broader canon to read the preserved text that will go into great detail on this. Start with the Book of Enoch. <laughs> you know, that's a big eye-opener, a restored text to us. But this, uh, what's going on today is so interesting because I do see the people of Elohim. Um, there's, there's different reports coming out. Everybody's all over the place. Well, I don't know. I don't listen to too many people, but I know that there's a lot of different quote-unquote scenarios, you could narratives you could follow. But one of them, it's like you're getting the reports of the spies um, on looking at the land. People today, if you look at the Beast Kingdom, I'll tell you, it is scary. I'm telling you what. It, it's like, oh my gosh, who can fight against this thing? Um, and you could have the report like of the 10 people saying, no way. They're, they're, you know, we're, we're, we're toast. Great tribulation, you might as well. You know, or you can look at it and see if we win and we win triumph. How does this happen? But the two spies that 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 did not look at the physical, didn't look at how big the giants were or how amazingly technologically outfitted they were for war or all these or. Um, they weren't free because they knew that they knew their God. See, this is the important thing. You have to, and this is my thing to Christian, you need to elevate your understanding of 
Yeshua in the sense he's not just, he is our personal savior for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's just one of his incarnations. He comes back as the king. This is what, There's a lot of information about Mashiach and how the government will be on the show. Some of these other phrases, he's a wonderful father. These are very deeply embedded um, theological understandings that are in the house of, of our Mashiach. This is, it's much deeper, bigger, broader, better, and he's much badder. <laughs> I really, then, kind of on the surface, a lot of Christians are getting spoon-fed. And that's why we're cowering with everybody else in our homes, you know, sort of in a lockdown mentality. All right? When the Father says it's to go into the land and start, what are you going to do? And the most important thing that I have to say to anyone who's, Right now, in my words, these are words of polemics, it's called. This is a war right now of ideology, of belief, of faith. Do you really believe that you have a creator father? It's hard to reach people, you can't really, this is what I'm saying, who don't believe <laughs> in, in a biblical scenario. Even a basically, it, it, so if not, then you are siding right now with the nations, you would think that your savior is going to be is going to be in this great blockbuster economy that's coming or in this vaccine that's coming or in look at how the nations of the world are working together to or um, any of the uh, ways in which are you know just social distancing we can, we that we can get can get can defeat this thing see and it's like Pharaoh. <laughs> It's just what it is. It's like Pharaoh who thinks that he doesn't have to pay or can defeat or can stand against the most high God when he decides that he wants something done and it's not happening. <laughs> All right. So to paint a really good picture, the creator father, Yahweh Elohim, Hashem, is telling the principalities and the powers, as he always has, to let his people, my people, let my people go. You know, quit dogging them. Quit putting them down in these beast kingdoms. Let them be free before me. Let them live and thrive before me. And if you don't, he has very strong and convincing ways <laughs> of making you do his will. This, what was going, is on cosmic levels see because christians we don't understand what principalities what powers what spiritual wickedness what's going on in the different heavens how it affects us what we don't have enough we don't have enough wisdom and understanding to peer correctly behind the veil and see there's a lot of shots in the dark that's why it's very confusing for people who want to you know to go out there and, and there's so many different opinions people all right, where to Yahweh, it's very simple from his point of view. He sees everything, knows who everybody is. A rose is still a rose. It doesn't matter what you call it. He doesn't have a problem executing his will. Uh, so it, it behooves us to get on his page wisdom with wisdom and understanding so we can, first of all, be a help to ourselves, a help to our families, a help to our neighbors, a help to our world, and a credit and a warrior in the army of Hashem. But anyways, I digress too much. But the thing that's, um, so it, I just want to say, there is a plan, I believe, with the two witnesses 
um, the, the spies that went into the land, Joshua and Caleb, and remember Joshua then was picked to literally lead the people in victory, all right? It's not an accident. He obviously had the mental, the mind picture. He was obviously the person Hashem would pick, who, who could execute his will. Now, so I want to just say that Christians, because I do have... <laughs> I'm talking like to my brothers, my sisters, my people, especially those that I know in the area. I mean, we have such a close bond and kinship, especially who knew my husband, Dennis, and we would have great, incredible talks, always in the bookstore, Deep Spiritual Matters. But I've been sort of coming on uh, publicly, broadly, I don't know, whatever, to tell people that Christians, A.A.K. Christian, you're not really a Christian. It's a wrong mental picture that's painted in your mind. You are the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You are Ephraim. We are. We're known as the lost, um, the house of Joseph. We're known as the house of Ephraim. We're known as the northern kingdom. We're known as Samaria. We're known as um, Joseph. All right? So this is an important... If you don't know who you are, <laughs> uh, the word Christian comes from the root word, which is Christos, which means, see, this is why you have to take everything back to its Greek and then its Hebrew equivalent for, un, for wisdom and understanding, all right? Christos is, is the word from anointing with oil, and, and the, the, the holy anointing oil was reserved for kings and priests, and they would get anointed on the head, and, that's the whole, and it would flow down. You know, the, the picture of, of Aaron getting the anointed. He was the high priest, priests and kings. At this level, when you are anointed with this level of Ruach HaKadosh or Holy Spirit, you have entered to the mind of Elohim. The mind is a place we need to understand of our mentalities. Biblically, this is talking about our mental processes, what we think, our rational um, and even our intuitive and our, um, and I don't want you to talk intellectual because this, I'm not talking about the wisdom of this world or manly wisdom. I'm talking about the ability to think the same kind of thoughts on the same wavelength and level that Yahweh thinks. Okay? Which is very different. Like he says, my ways are not your ways. I don't think like you, as we would think down here. All right? Now, again, that's just the Hebraic biblical correct way. So we were the early, um, who were the Jewish believers, really and truly initially, who began to get this level of wisdom understanding and see this, this, the life, this, this lamb of God, who, this, this Yeshua of Nazareth, a Nazarene, I don't want to get, who, who was all of, who proclaimed himself to be the son of God and who was ushering in a redemption. So that was a high level of Christos, of anointing, of wisdom and understanding, to get to get your to be able to see at that high a level what was going on. So of course they were called um, Christos. They had that, and this is something within the Jewish understanding. Let me say this: we 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 really should imitate our brother Judah, Judah much much more because they understand how deep and past finding out and how nuanced and varied the the word. Of Elohim is and it's quite possible for two extremely intelligent sages to disagree to see from one angle this way and when it, and that's fine 
Because that's how deep, because it all, it's your perception. It's all about perception. And then that, say, you know, your mind can walk around and look at it from this position and you see a whole, they, see, they make a lot of allowances for, for having deep understanding on many levels, which gives you a little bit of a different vantage point and understanding. So instead of arguing with each other all the time, they just try to sharpen each other's perception. And, um, it's just a much more, I think, a unifying way so that you can have your huge disagreements and your midrashes and talk about the word and woo. And then you get up from the table and you just love each other and you're one unit, you're one people before Elohim. A lot of our disunity is because we don't allow that level. We're scared of it. We're, we're filled with fear about it. We shouldn't be. People, the mind of Elohim is past finding out. Let's have a little humility. <laughs> Even though there's definitely foundational basics that nobody, this is the point. Once you, let me put it this way, you can digress in your opinion once you agree on the absolute foundational ba basics. All right. Now, which leads me to a point that I wanted to say about, you know, we really do as the restored in this covenant, this, which we have in Jeremiah 33, it talks about it. It says renewed come, but it really is not new, it's renewed. We once were in covenant. That's the whole point with the creator of the universe in a special covenant at Sinai. And then we became very disobedient. And we got to the point where we were worthless. And he actually divorced us and kicked us off the land and literally severed us from this unique relationship and only Judah kept chugging forward in time and in history and invisible witness to the world. And that was all prophesied and planned in a way. Remember, Yahweh works all things together for good. So as we get to the end of the age, we're going to see, oh my gosh, that was kind of brilliant because it's going to have a huge advantage at the end if you can hang in there with him. But so I am all about this restoration of all Israel and the Christians, we really do need to come back to the house that the older brother's always been in, never left, where you where like the you you keep the Sabbath, which is one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you you keep the feast. You do these things in remembrance. These are dress rehearsals. These when we you go read in Exodus and Leviticus, this was a binding covenant for all the generations of the seed of these people, and that includes Christian. If you're called into do you think you were lost seed out there? You you don't think the father knew where your far-flung relatives took you with all the earth and you know how everything... Out of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, all Israel will come from. That seed is very scattered. It's very scattered all over the earth. But there are very visible pockets of it and there are some concentrated pockets of it. And that is a big part of the story. But... I wanted to just say that this uh, this time of the restoration, so as we are, even it's very important today to redeem the time. And I want to say this because I was teaching about Passover. One of the, it, this is one of the most important spring feasts. And if Christians don't really understand what's going on, what what is being implied in the whole redemption story and how we're part of it. Uh, yes, Yeshua... Um, 
Yeshua ben Joseph did rise. He did die and he did raise again. He had life in himself. He said, I am life. <laughs> you can't kill me. I'll just get up again, you know, really. But that fits in. It has to fit into a broader picture. Now, the restoration of all, so it's important that Christians come back to a Torah understanding. The Torah is for our instruction. But the Old Testament is the, the Ten Commandments are a binding covenant, and the Noahide righteous Gentiles have a binding covenant from Noah. I mean, who even teaches you this stuff today? The ancients knew this. It's all over the literature of the ancient world. They knew the sons of um, Noah. You know, I have to tell you something because our culture, our propagandists today lie so much to us and about our heritage. But I just went, my sister, bless her, took me on a trip to um, Greece and Rome. We went to Rome and to Athens and did a whole tour of the Greek islands. It was wonderful. But, you know, going to some of these uh, ancient places and going, especially in Athens, uh, and, you know, you go and... Well, I won't get it. You go and you look at these incredible ruins, um, archaeological sites, and then they'll have plaques. Some of these plaques were put up even hundreds of years ago, 200 years ago. You know, they're not like really recent, some of them. And it'll say right on there. When I remember, and I should get a picture of it because I have it, of Duclean, Duclean, who was an ancient name his, when the historians gave to Noah. And it talked about right there his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And this was the, the story and the, the, the archaeological site. See, this is what the ancients are doing. Our tributes, our memorials are like huge monuments to a lot of the major players in that bloodline of boys, Shem, who repopulated the earth. Uh, it, it, this, is, this was known. This was accepted. Nobody, nobody questioned it. Yet here we are today at the end of the age and people want to, they're still scratching their head. Well, is that possible? Could that really? Why do we allow the enemy to talk us out of our heritage and our, you know, and put these doubts in us? Biberian, go check it out for yourself. I've read the historians. Now, they change the names a lot. It's very confusing because every culture gives it the name that it would make in its literal letters and language. But, you know, persevere through it. There's been great research going on. So there was a very famous uh, sage in the Middle Ages, the, the rabbi of uh, the Vilna Gaon. Gaon means Jesus, a genius. In this, I've said this before. People have to understand our sages, our masters of Torah, some of these great, you know, if I eat rabbinical uh, minds, Old Testament, New Testament, prophet, priest, sage, were brilliant men. You didn't get to that level unless you had mastered, mastered science, mastered the physical sciences, mastered linguistics, you understood language, mastered the histories of the world. You said that you could, you could really understand on a high, high level, and then you understood your own Torah, your writings, you knew the letters. You, you, I mean, we cannot keep letting them tell us that these, like Abraham and Jake, that these were some backwoods, Shepherds that live. No, I mean, the only reason the word shepherd is used in the sense is because this is a lifestyle. It also one thing is represents a lifestyle that is very close to the earth. It's a very biblical lifestyle. The father is our shepherd. We are his sheep. When you live in these in the real world, 
even a builder. Yeshua, yes, he, he probably was a builder, but you can sew building. I mean, they use these, I say that, that great wisdom and understanding can be and is supposed to be mine from the physical archetypes. All right. So a farmer, you know, they're called the, farm, the planters, the people who live close to the earth, these are much more biblical and will be much more spiritual and fulfilling lifestyles than working in a 70, you know, 70 high up skyscraper pushing papers. I mean, seriously, I'm sorry. People are realizing this today. This get, let's get back to the land. Let's get back even today to a more natural lifestyle. Let's live with the rhythms of the world. You know, everything around us is artificial, artificial light, artificial food, <laughs> you know, artificial relationships, even on everything's going online. You don't know who you're talking to if you don't know the person. See, it, it, it divorces you from re, true reality, what's going on, and you can easily get caught up in a web of whatever. But all I digress. The Bill Negeon, I hope I'm not digressing too much. But he said that as things begin to look worse and worse, and they're going to, so you got to make a choice. Are you going to, all right? It, and it appears that our redemption is just a hopeless dream in our generation. Uh, the two opposing sides, listen to this guy. He's a Jewish rabbi from the Middle Ages. The two opposing sides of the Mashiach's, Mashiach's disciples will come together with great power and force and unity and utterly destroy the negative forces of Hasatan. When the dark side least expects it, this sudden unity of love and brotherhood will remove death and darkness from our midst. It will be a surprise attack, a surprise unification between the two sides that will cause the full light of redemption to shine in our world and bring peace to all mankind. And that's pretty audacious, but I totally get what he's, because this is the point. Um, when, when the believers, okay, see so you have three, you have the Jews, you have quote-unquote Christians, a.k.a. Ephraim, and you have righteous Gentiles still who are all following uh, the God of Israel with different levels of understanding. But then, So th when these people have this incredible aha moment, <laughs> and it's beginning to happen because it is a question of singularity, is, is momentum. This is a huge train that's left the tracks and it is going to a destination it is going the father is bringing these three groups together into a unity of understanding of wisdom and understanding seeing the big picture seeing history seeing how this great plan of redemption is actually played out and has absolutely tipped the balance um against evil and it can no longer stand that is going to be quite a victory right but um this is why you know i'm saying because we need we have one lord one faith uh there's one god and father this is what paul is saying there's one torah there's one set of you know there's one tree of life there's one you know, the spiritual system, and I started to explain the 10 Sephiroth, the 32 paths of wisdom, which is the 10 names of Elohim, the, lar the 10 come in, the largest, you know, 
sort of buckets or classification systems to hold everything, and the 22 letters, which is the word, which changes not, which actually is going to come forward in all of its understanding. Everybody's going to, and it's just going to crush. It's just going to break up and crush all the falsehoods. They're not going to have any place. They're going to have no place to hide anymore. See, this, all right, so this gets to my point. And I have two more points. I hope people are there and I'm not, but oh my gosh. Uh, there is, so this is my plan. This is the one that I'm going to hopefully, all right, I'm not going to be all afraid and, you know, cowering in fear behind closed doors through the whole time of Yahweh on the judgments that will fall on all the nations. Um, and I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to believe that Yahweh has a plan, but this is his plan. And I say this to, um, okay, this is in, Oh my gosh, I think this is, oh, this is Zechariah, Zechariah 9, 13. It says, for I have bent Judah my bow, filled it with Ephraim, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. Then Yahweh, yod Hey vav Hey, which is the tetragrammaton, which is the most comprehensive and complete and unspeakable, you never profane this name. This is the one that you don't profane. Um, that's why the Jews call him Hashem, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> so I like to do that. Uh, then Hashem will be seen over them, seen physically and spiritually with the eyes of the mind, the eyes of the soul, and the physical eyes. You people are saying we have eyes that that do that, see on all different levels. Okay, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. Soon, Judah and Ephraim will fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines towards the west. Together, they shall plunder the people of the east, and they shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. Now, let me just say, the Bible uses code words. It's called the keys to the kingdom. So we don't have to take this in this sense and try to figure out who the Philistines are. You know, in, in some geographic pocket of people living in um, Israel today, or plunder the people of the east, or lay their hand on Edom and Moab. These are code words talking about pockets of of people. But believe me, everybody's scattered all over the world who still are antagonistic and at war with Elohim, the King, and His inheritance, His people, and His kingdom. All right. That's really kind of what it's saying. But, but the point is, I have bent you to my bow, fitted it with Ephraim, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. See, I, and for people who are further into this, I just have, I've always, there's another verse that, that I actually love that I ponder about. In Isaiah eleven thirteen. it says that um, in the last days, which is where we are, uh, the envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and they that harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. See, this is sort of what's been going on in the world of polemics between the two camps, and unfortunately, there's a huge history of, of actual bloodshed, of brother against brother. That should never have happened. Uh, but where Ephraim will not be envious of Judah, and Judah will not vex Ephraim, we will figure out what it's supposed to look like. 
This is a big thing. Like the early church really, really grappled with this. How do you bring in all these people who, um, but let me just say, between Judah and Ephraim, Ephraim has a blessing of numbers on them. This is when they, when you see the harvest, people say, oh, there's going to be great harvest and all the harvest. <laughs> yeah, but what you're seeing, what you're being told that you're seeing is the fact that Ephraim, this seed has gone out into all the earth because it has. I mean, they, they have on them a spiritual mantle. I've done teaching on this. The Bekarah, the Berakah, the blessing, they have multiplied. Their seed has just ex ex experientially expounded in all of the earth, all right? And it's in, you can work these words in their absolute mathematical precision in just about every household in all the earth, all right? So this is a pretty thorough job. There will be a huge harvest from the nations. Satan will be left holding the bag, all right? Because, and... A lot of what's been going on is Judah wants us to Ephraim return. Ephraim might just do it just like they do, you know. And you don't have to. There, this is what gets into the discussions about Paul and what. And I believe that Paul was understanding, you know, the level of how it was all going to work. You have to understand, you have a group of people, and then you all of a sudden start bringing millions of people into that group. There's going to be a little bit of chaos, but in but this is what's so interesting. But not in Yahweh's economy when he does this because what goes on now is you understand the, the rank and the file everybody has a position and a place and everybody this is what the especially Dead Sea Scrolls I'll tell you what unbelievable pictographic language that describes this unification at the end of days and there will be a coming together and a synergy of these two pockets of people um, and, and the three it really is it's Jew Gentile and, and Paul says in the Ecclesia of Elohim um, will come together in an insanely amazing aha moment. And we will all come under the banner of the returning king, Yeshua HaMashiach. And we will live, we will be a very, very, very vocal voice in all the earth. That's what the shofar and all this stuff is blowing. So this is where we're going. But we can only, this will have to be done. Um, this is part of the plan. It's a numbers game. We will absolutely overwhelm <laughs> so I'm not afraid you know this is what Elijah said was it Elijah I think at the house you know and, and his servant was all afraid because the physical army of whoever it was was coming to get to arrest Elijah and he was all free and Elijah's like well look look a little farther out look to the mountains look at the Lord's army you know nothing is going to be done to me that is outside of his uh, providence. So we uh, we have much more firepower on our side, and this is a mindset we can we can you can do this journey. You can make this switch in your mind, especially as you get a hold of your mentalities and bring them back to correct. I say Hebraic understanding is the letters as you allow the root the letters to determine the meaning. See, this one translation, we, we've allowed what we think it means, what we think it means, <laughs> to make the translation instead of allowing the letters themselves, which is Hebrew, with the Jews never fell into that trap. They've always translated according to the Hebrew and insane rules of transmission. 
This is another thing that, you know, we have to understand. So all these things being said, I'm pretty excited about this. And that's why I'm just going to shout it from the rooftop, so to speak. I mean, Ephraim, we, you have no, Christian, believe me, you're not leaving anything behind that you can't leave behind because you're going uh, to a place and with an army, with a king that it, it's just amazing. Let the prophets lead your mind. It's really, so I want to say this now because one of the main things, uh, I just want to make sure on my notes sort of here. Oh, I know. This is what I was going to say. <laughs> I start all this. May 8th, this coming Friday, is going to be, is the second Passover. And I started out this whole kind of journey I've been on for a month of trying, of reaching people. But, and I never even saw it. It's so amazing. There is a second Passover. I try to explain to people, the Passover is a one-week feast, and there's very specific things that go on, many, many, many things that most Christians just, we've just lost so much. But there's a second Passover. A lot of the people came to Moshe at, at, and said, hey, we weren't here to celebrate the Passover. W what's up with it? I mean, we, we don't get to do it. We don't get the benefits. We don't get the result. Um, and he said, well, let me inquire of the Lord. He said, let me go inquire. Because... And he came back and said, yeah, you, we'll have a second Passover. We'll do it, and it'll be in 30 days. So the last one was April 8th, and so May 8th, 30 days, a second Passover. So I'm encouraging all my, anyone, Christian or Jew or righteous person, anyone, do a Passover. There's tons of information online. I can give more links. Just with your family and begin to delve into the depths of, of what, because we're coming up on the last great final Passover which is where we leave this present world of darkness, you know, and we really do go into the, 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 the next kingdom. We, we really are. Um, we're going to pass over. And um, this, in, in that typology is so much that is useful for understanding the days. So just do a second Passover. because And the reason they couldn't do it, because they were two reasons, which is so interesting. They were away on a journey. People that came to Moshe said, well, we've been away. Well, you know, that is a picture of Ephraim because, I'll tell you what, Ephraim is in the story of the prodigal son. Christians love that, but the prodigal is Ephraim. Okay? And Ephraim is not quite all the way back yet. <laughs> That's, and there's still some things that they need to do to, um, to please the father. So that is a piece of the story. The other thing is, is that... Um, Oh, hold on a second, because I just lost those two little thoughts. It's got to come back to me. It'll, it'll have to come back to me. All right, let me go now to my next and last point, because this is sort of a way, I want to explain some of the Hebraic ways these are established. These are not negotiable. These are, go back to Noah, go back to Shem, go back to, Enoch, the book of Enoch, go back to Abraham, go back to Jacob. These are the, 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 the understandings of our patriarchs, okay? That there is, that's why numbers, oh, and I know I had another little quote. I don't know if I can find it soon enough to say this. Because I find these little things, and I ponder, what the heck does that mean? And sometimes it takes me years. I mean, seriously, it's taken me years to... 
wait on the Lord to get to the level of understanding some of this stuff. But I don't know where that, I had a little quote. But anyways, there's four, the Bible talks about us being triune beings. We know this, we're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And you can never lose sight of that concept because our Torah is written, remember Torah means instruction in righteousness, and it's telling us how to keep our body, our soul, and our spirit clean and holy before, oh, I know it would be at or not, before the Father. The reason that they couldn't do the second Passover is one, they were away on a journey. And I said, that's, that was real, that's a picture of Ephraim right there because most of them don't do the second Passover because they're way far away. They don't even, <laughs> they're not even close to, you know, knowing what's going on on the home front, so to speak. The other thing is that they're unclean because they've been, they've been burying or touching or undead bodies. Now, that's a really uh, kind of strong statement pictographically because you're saying, but, you know, aren't we all, weren't we all dead in our trespasses and sins? See, this is a kind of, they're carrying forward this concept that um, the Passover, you need to engage in this concept because you, you, you were dead or in your trust, or hanging out with dead people. You know, let the dead bury their dead. This is the concept, people. We're, we're coming into a life, a living kingdom, a life. So leave the dead behind. Uh, stop being unclean, hanging out. Come into, all right, uh, and the and the Passover, uh, where the angel of death literally has to, has to pass over your house at the time of the plagues. I mean, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> okay, this is really important, and this is sort of a pet peeve of mine now, so I just want to... So in the Hebrew, there's very specific words, letters that come together that make words that contain very established... See, this word is true. <clears throat> you don't have to guess. It's, it's right there. Three levels of soul, life. It starts with the, and it's a Hebrew word. You know, I really should have had the Hebrew letters. I don't have it, but I can give you the transliteration. The nephesh, which is our carnal soul, which is our animal nature. It's, it's, it's the fleshly nature. It's the lower nature. It is our appetites. Are, it's the closest part of us that's just like an animal. I mean, we, we eat and we sleep and we procreate and we, you know, we're <clears throat> just like an animal on, on a certain level. It's all designed in the body. And um, then you have what's called your ruach, which is translated soul and spirit in, indeterminately because they don't really, it's been lost, in my opinion, but lost by the translators to scholars what these words are referring to. So they can't keep it linearly straight per se. But your ruach is the world of your emotions, your motivations, your personality, your heart, where thing, it's a very, you're, all your praise and worship, you know, when you just love the Father and you're so thankful, or even when you're pouring your heart out before the Father. We have a level of us that is just, you know, we can feel the deepest dredges of rejection and depression and, oh my gosh, the weight, of, or we can be absolutely ecstatic in, in, Heavenly stratospheres, you know, full of light and love and that, you know, or just, you know, most people want to keep kind of in balance there. We want to enjoy life. So enjoy life from your heart. Okay, that's, so that's a word, Ruach. That's a very specific program. I look at these as levels of computer programming that stack one on top of the other inside of us. Then you have what's called <clears throat> your Neshama soul which is the word that's equated with um, breath, 
This is the, and Adam had this level, Neshama, Adamites, people of the, of Adamites <clears throat> have this level, Neshama. And this is what the rabbis are doing. Not every, see, a beast, an animal does not have a Neshama soul. I mean, he just doesn't. That's why animals don't, because <laughs> they can't conceive it. They don't build houses. They, they can't think. They don't have higher functioning cognitive processes in which they can take information, catalog, store it, remember it, use it, combine it, and spit it back out in something totally new, creative, and imaginative. That is reserved for Adam, and it's pretty awesome. That's because Yahweh breathed into us part of him, his higher level cognitive, where um, we're made in his image and his likeness. And this is our consciousness. This is our thought life. This is our, they call them, and I like the best word, the mentalities. All right. As a man, as a man thinketh, so is he. This is where it's mind over matter. Originally, Adam was the highest of all the creation of Elohim, put there because he had this nesuma breath, and he operated from it. See, this is why there's some, see understanding these different levels. Then, when you read, I'll just say when you read in the Gospel of Thomas, which is a really great book to read. It's, it's a very cryptic, coded phrases of Yeshua. It's just brilliant, and you should read it. It's in, but there's one in there that's very trippy, and it says, when the female becomes male, it's talking about this. And everybody, I, I've just seen, written so, read so many commentaries trying to understand what that means. But when you understand the levels of soul life, the female is equated <clears throat> with the lowest level, with the earth, with carnality, with the physicality. But at, that's where Adam fell too. When, when an Adamite, a person, raises up their level of consciousness to living again in the domain, the mind of Elohim, they're no longer a beast. They don't live. They've, they've trained their flesh. They now live and move and have their being and operate from a mind, a high mind of Elohim. I hope that makes sense. That's what it means to become male. You got to get back. This is well. I just digress. I have a whole YouTube channel <laughs> and a website with blogs, and I've three hundred and forty videos going much deeper into this stuff. So, but this is important to me because one of the first levels of this unification of all Israel is we have to start Hebraically grabbing a hold of these concepts, so we can rid ourselves of some of the really big lies of the enemy that keep us from unification. So then what I want to say is, <clears throat> all right, there's what is called, when the Bible talks about um, black, okay, black, white, and red, and, and so that there's blacks, and the word, it says, the word is used, meant like ham was, black or somebody was black or calling everybody see they, they they think that's talking about color skin color or red is rudy is sort of more reddish complexion or you know the irish or see, people give crazy uh meanings to this or white you know so white are the good guys and black are the bad guys and but but <clears throat> that is racism when you take these heavenly heavenly highly exalted words and concepts 
and mind of Elohim and, his, and denigrate them down to a profane level that causes brother against brother and hatred and division and discord. Who is it? That's certainly not. I mean, come on, the devil's all over that. That is a lower level demonic that's energetic level of understanding that's not doing anybody any good. And that is not what our texts are saying. So what I want to try to say here is that <clears throat> when it talks about color and when it's talking about race, it's not talking about physical skin color race. Oh my gosh, this is like Hebraic understanding 101. All right. The first level refers to the race of the body. And race is even a bad word in the sense of what we think of it because we always think of, you know, our minds are trained. We're trigger trained. Oh, mind control to think race war. When we should be thinking about, oh, the, that it's the war between my flesh and let's say my mind. I know what is right to do, but I got this war going on in my body. I want to eat that whole bag of potato chips. I know I shouldn't do it, you know, but help me, Lord, you know. This is a war that's going on. That's what it's talking about, all right? So the first level refers to the race of the body. In, in other words, it, race is the programs that run in us carnally, you know, that make us hungry so that we do eat so we can survive. You got to, you know, we have programs that make us, our body say, hey, you're tired, you know, you need to lay down for a while, whatever, okay? Those are good things. But like anything, if you live according, if you make them your gods, if, if you just, you know, the, your appetite becomes your whole reason for living. Okay? So what it means, there are two higher levels. There's the race of the soul and the race of the spirit, which is equated with, so you're, you have, we have a war in our nephesh against our ruach, our emotional life, right? All the time. Somebody cuts you off, you know, what's your trigger response? You want to... You want to swear, you want to say something, you right? Um, because you were offended and because it offends your sensibilities in your emotional level. Like, who, what? Or let's just say, um, this anger, jealousy, um, covetousness, sexual immorality, all stem from being attracted. The, Satan loves to put eye candy in front of us, being attracted to something that's ultimately not good for you. Okay? I mean, unfortunately... Ephraim is so unhealthy today, oh my God, because the enemy is feeding us fake food with fake pharmacias, with fake, oh my gosh, it's gotten really bad. See, we're not farmers and shepherds. We don't live in harmony with nature anymore. We, we live a completely artificial lifestyle that has been engineered by the beast kingdom, and it's all surfacing right now, and frankly, psh, you can have it, but whatever. So... And then our mind, this is, and this is the real battlefield, is in the mind. When, and this is where the real level of idolatry is. When you take a clear, clean, beautiful, pristine concept of God and you change it and degrade it and abuse it and it becomes something very distorted and, and unrecognizable. And this is all over, and especially in... And I see this, you know, when I online and reading different people and, and the rabbit trails people go down and then the conclusions that they draw. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, talk about getting shipwrecked. <laughs> you know, these levels, see, it, what I'm trying to say is the Bible is written and we need to learn the code words, as called, the, the, what they're referencing. So the first thing is always to check in your reading and it makes for great Bible study. 
Go look at that word spirit. Is it Neshama or is it Ruach? Gives you tons of incorrect. See, it doesn't lie. So is he talking about your mind being renewed? Is he talking about renewing yourself in your soul? Like getting rid of bitterness or anger, which will actually affect, because <clears throat> all of our systems do affect all of the other systems. Um, so it's very important that we begin to see our text written. See, there's nothing new under the sun. Psychology? That's not a new science. <laughs> this is, you know, Freud, these people, oh my gosh. There's nothing new about it. it. This is totally in our text, the psychological levels of mankind. And this is all deeply, deeply discussed and embedded. And, and oh my God, I've read it with it. They just minutely study and come to understandings about these things. And it's hit in, in, in the Jewish mystical writings. In the Zohar, this is what it's doing. Um, or the mind. And how these letters combine and their form and their shape and the light that is in them and what emanates from them. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable. So <clears throat> this is sort of some of the, um, where I want to go in the sense, because I'm going to go back to that. I'd like to keep just sharing um, different insights that are very biblical, very Hebraic. But I'm going to go back again. Do I want to really do a comprehensive teaching on what's called the tree of life and the spiritual system? And encouraging anybody out there, we have tons of time, and, well, some people do. I mean, what else are you going to do? Redeem the time. Learn Hebrew. Get some flashcards. Go on Google and buy a deck of flashcards. Put them out on the table for your kids. And, and what a great way to start to engage in a whole new level of spiritual understanding that I tell you will make you thrive in much more than listening to all of the negative, oh my gosh, <laughs> spin. We have to get strong in Adonai and in his mighty power so um so on that note i guess i've said plenty or whatever and um thank you for just tuning in and staying uh staying friendly <laughs> and let's do this i say we can do this uh yahweh's got it he's got it so shalom shalom and shabbat shalom We hope you enjoyed today's message. Maybe you have some questions or would like to share your thoughts. Liz would love to chat with you about it, so head on over to the website, theelectlife.org. Or if you prefer, you can leave your comments on the Liz McGee YouTube channel. And if you're over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell. Tune in next week as Liz brings out more on the mysteries that matter and more food for the soul. Thanks for tuning in.